Acts chapter 1. I'm reading from verses 1 to 11. In the first book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus did and taught from the beginning until the day when he was taken up to heaven after giving instruction through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself alive to them by many convincing proofs, appearing to them over the course of 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. While staying with them, he ordered, he ordered them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait there for the promise of the Father. This, he said, is what you have heard from me. For John baptised with water, but you will be baptised with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, is this the time when you will restore the kingdom to Israel? He replied, it is not for you to know the times or periods that the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. When he had said this, as they were watching, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. While he was going, and they were gazing up towards heaven, suddenly two men in white robes stood by them. They said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking up towards heaven? This Jesus, who has been taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Amen. Our second reading this morning is taken from the Gospel of John, chapter 12, and I shall be reading from verses 20 to verse 32. John, chapter 12. Now, among those who went up to worship at the festival were some Greeks. They came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, and said to him, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. Philip went and told Andrew. Then Andrew and Philip went and told Jesus. Jesus answered them, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Very truly I tell you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains just a single grain. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Those who love their life will lose it. And those who hate their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me. And where I am, there will my servant be also. Whoever serves me, the Father will honour. Now my soul is troubled. What should I say? Father, save me from this hour? No. It is for this reason that I have come to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it, and I will glorify it again. The crowd standing there heard it and said it was thunder. 
Others said, an angel has spoken to him. Jesus answered, this voice has come for your sake, not for mine. Now is the judgment of this world. Now the ruler of this world will be driven out. And I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. Amen. Well, we're very pleased to welcome Daniel again to us to minister God's word. Shall we pray? May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts be acceptable to God, our Savior and Redeemer. Amen. Well, um, perhaps I have to begin by saying on behalf of your Anglican friends, I wish you happy anniversary because uh, today is anniversary service and uh, it is 174 years anniversary. For 74 years, the gospel has been preached here, people have been received here, and the gospel will continue to spread. I particularly love the, our vision statement of the, the vision statement of this church, provoking faith in the heart of London. So how do we do this? Hence the choice of my reading. I'm just going to pull out two texts and then we will work with them. The first one comes from the gospel that was read to us. And I, when I am lifted up, I will draw all people to myself. And then when you go to the Acts of the Apostles that was read to us, we also have a phrase there, and you will receive power. And you will receive power. The gospel tells us about the story of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. His birth, his ministry, his death on the cross, his resurrection, and the ascension when he was taken to uh, be with God forever and we look forward to his return in all these events the question that has to run through our mind is for what end for what purpose why was he born why did he demonstrate love healing care bring those from the margin to the center why did he go through painful death? Why the resurrection? And all these point us towards two things that is required from those who are prepared to follow him. One, those who are prepared to follow him, 
he will give them power and once they have got the power they also have a job to do by lifting up the cross so you will receive power and the first question that i want to pose to each one of us this morning that if we have been promised in scriptures that we will receive power then power for what power to do what the 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 sad thing about the history of christianity is that um, often the power or the authority that the church sometimes claim for itself has been abused have been used to oppress many people have been used to exclude many people have been used sometimes in a way that makes you wonder that is it the christ who died who resurrected who said love your neighbor as yourself is he the one in whose name we are perpetuating these outrageous atrocities so power for what if we are going to provoke faith in the heart of london i want to suggest that the power that we've been given is to accomplish three things and it is linked with lifting up the cross first power to serve power to love and power to forgive we love the story about washing of the feet and i as a anglican who were you know uh, worship in the local church that is very traditional on every monday thursday the thursday leading to the good friday we will wash people's feet as an act of symbolizing the service that we owe to one another within the world and within the body of christ and one question that we don't often ask ourselves is who are those that jesus washed their feet as an act of service the disciples that jesus washed their feet were not wonderful people they were not amazing people they were men and sadly men of colorful characters peter who is unteachable the next day one minute he says lord i am prepared to follow you to the end of days even to die for you and the next day this man is standing there crying that i promise you i don't know this man a man who is never consistent yet jesus as an act of service wash his feet you have sons of zebedee who will come to jesus and say lord when you come into your kingdom 
Let my brother sit at your right hand and I will sit at your left hand and we will be happy together. In other words, men who are following Jesus for their own ends rather than the vision of Jesus' own ministry. So the people that were, called, were there to be washed, are even, some of them were not even the people who had the shared vision with Jesus Christ, yet Jesus washed their feet. Then you have Thomas, who will doubt him, unless I touch his feet, no, side and know that he is actually resurrected, I'm not going to believe this. And then you have Judas, who will betray him for 30 pieces of silver. Brothers and sisters, if God has given us power to serve, power to wash people's feet in the heart of London as a sign of provoking faith in the city of London, then the people that we are called to serve are people whom sometimes are of colorful characters. And often the, the sad thing about the church when it comes to service is that we want to serve only the nice people. And I want to suggest to you that and you will receive power, power to serve. And the people that God has called you to serve them are not always going to be the nice people who come from the leafy parts of London. Like the disciples themselves, the characteristics of those that God will put in front of us as a church to serve them are sometimes people who are unteachable, are sometimes people who will not share the same vision with us, are sometimes people who will doubt us, are sometimes people who will betray us. But despite these characteristics, our calling, our vision is to serve them as Christ has commanded us to wash one another's feet. So power to serve, that is our calling. Power to love, what is love? Love has sentimental aspects, and we all know that. But there can never be love without justice. Our power to love is power to pursue justice. Jesus himself said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to set the captives free, to set the oppressed free. Broomsby Baptist Church has been placed in this place, given the power to love. And the power to love is no other than the power to pursue justice. So we have not only given power to serve, but power to love. I am always reminded, as somebody who spent quite a lot of my time, using School of Oriental and African Studies Library when I was a student at King's College. That when we used to come and walk around this area, one will see homelessness, one will see people who are hungry, one will sometimes see people who are completely lost, don't know where they are about. I am convinced that if there is power that God has given to Broomsbury Baptist Church 
in this place, then it is that power to love those who are on the fringes, who are lost, who are homeless, who are hungry, and the hymn that we sang gave the job description to all of us. Power to serve, power to love. And that brings me to power to forgive. Forgiveness is a challenging concept. The reason why it's a challenging concept is this. I have to uh, come clean on this subject first before I tell you the challenging aspect of it. For five years, I was a prison chaplain. And my chaplaincy was exercised in one of the highest security prisons in the UK. Uh, to tell you its nature, most of you might have heard about Rose and Fred West. Rose West, Fred committed suicide, as many of you know. Rose West was my prisoner. And for every day, as part of the statutory duties, I have to go and see Rose West in her cell at a place called Separation and Care. And whenever I went to see her, she will, we will have a chat. And you know, some of it was funny. Some of it, I couldn't understand them, but you know, I have to go with the flow. But my biggest challenge came whenever I organized the communion service. Rose put down when she came in that she's an Anglican. So as an Anglican, she will always come to the communion service accompanied by some of the prison officers. And if you are familiar with the Anglican service, one of the things that we do is something that we call the proclamation of the absolution. And after confessions has made, the priest will say, may almighty God forgive you your sins, confirm and strengthen you in all goodness, and keep you in life eternal. And my biggest challenge as Rose West was sitting in front of me, is, that is me, it's not God, that's me, Daniel. I say, may Almighty God forgive you all your sins, confirm and strengthen you in all goodness, and keep you in life eternal. But definitely not you, Rose West. And that went on. For the five years that I was there, I had a, a, a a spiritual director that I used to go and see. And I would talk to him about it. And he would say to me, Daniel, what is it that makes it so difficult for, for you to think that Rose West cannot be forgiven? And one day as I was walking from the prison to where I was living at the time, this hymn came to my mind. 
To God be the glory, great things he has done. There is a language that the vileless offender who truly believes that moment from Jesus, a pardon received. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Forgiveness if we are going to serve people. Forgiveness if we are going to love people. As we have explained, it's not something that is going to be easy. Because sometimes the people that will walk in have already condemned themselves. It is not for us to condemn them as well. It is for us to raise up the cross. For on the cross, he said, it is finished. All sins can be forgiven. So we have been given the power that whether Rose West or whoever walks in, as long as we fulfill the governmental safeguarding responsibility that we all have, our job is to know that we are here to serve them, we are here to love them, and we are here as we declare the forgiveness for ourselves and for one another, they are to be included. So, you will receive power. Power for what? Power to serve. Power to love. And power to forgive. Because scripture says, and whoever sins will be forgiven, it will be forgiven in heaven. And whoever sins will be held against the person will be held against it. So we have been given power, power to love, power to serve, and power to forgive. Now, this brings me to the gospel. And when I am lifted up, I will draw all, all means all. All means all. What, I don't want to embarrass Simon, but I'm going to. What Simon didn't tell you is that uh, I am standing here perhaps preaching to you. Had it not been that Simon also contributed to a letter that was written to the Bishop of London at the time that London Diocese, which ordained me, was not fulfilling her obligation towards me. Our job as Christians is that when we have been called to lift up the cross, all means all. And our job is not to keep quiet when people are being treated unfairly. Our job is not to keep quiet when the hungry are being neglected. Our job is not to keep quiet when we see the stranded and the lonely. All means all. So the service that we are required to give is for all. The love that we are required to share is for all. The forgiveness that we are required to demonstrate is for all. Who knows? If Simon and a few others have not brought their heads together to write a letter, and I hope Simon remember that you contributed to a letter. Who knows? I will not be standing here speaking to you. God is not demanding so much from each one of us. All that God is demanding from each one of us is the little that we can do 
in our own community as a demonstration of our service, as a demonstration of our love, and as a demonstration of our forgiveness. Have you seen the cross? We can all see it. When I'm lifted up, I will draw all people to myself. The cross has both horizontal and vertical dimension. The horizontal dimension is to receive the power from God that enables us to serve, to forgive, and to love. And the vertical dimension is for all. And all means all. The beautiful, the less beautiful, the disabled, not so disabled, women, men, gay, straight, black, white, when I'm lifted up, I will draw all people to myself. May the God of grace give us the power that he has promised. That we will serve. That we will love. That we will forgive. Amen. A moment of silent reflection. This is an unusual building. The way we are seated around the cross does not often happen. And I sometimes think it is a metaphor for our faith. And some people, metaphorically, are up there at the back. We can't quite see them, but they're there and they can see the cross. Some people are hiding in the wings. Some people, metaphorically, are on the front row. Wherever you are, the cross is there drawing you. And so we continue in worship as we sing. The church is wherever God's people are praising, knowing they're wanted and loved by their Lord. Let's come before God in prayer. Let's all pray. Lord God of heaven and earth, we bow before you now. We love you. We worship you. We thank you, for, we thank you for your kindness and your love. We thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ, who loved us even to death on the cross. We thank you for sending us the Holy Spirit, that ever-present comforter with us. We pray for our world at this time. It is a world of warfare, injustice, a world of hunger and disease. We pray that you would bring peace to this world. We ask that you would confound those who plan war and destruction. Give wisdom to those in power, 
May they be bold in seeking peaceful solutions to the problems of this world. May each one of them recognise that the power they have entrusted to them is to be exercised for the good of humanity. We pray for peace in Ukraine, in Sri Lanka, Afghanistan, Myanmar, Yemen and Tigray. We pray for those affected by war, those who are bereaved, those who are injured, those who are displaced and those who flee for refuge. We pray that justice would prevail and that when war ends, it is not just the beginning of peace, but the beginning of justice and of fairness. And as we pray for this, we recognise our own responsibility. Teach each one of us to deal justly and fairly with those around us. To avoid violence of action, violence of word and violence of attitude. While we pray for boldness in confronting injustice, may we yet seek to avoid conflict and put away anger and jealousy. As we pray for world leaders, we pray for our national leaders. Even at this time, politicians are jostling to take power. We pray for them that they may seek to lead in order to serve, not to be served. We pray for integrity in our leaders at all level, levels of government and authority. We long to have leaders who love peace and love justice. Give wisdom and discernment to those who hold power. As we pray, we recognise our own responsibility. Teach each one of us to deal with integrity and humility with all, we, all whom we encounter. Help us to pray for our leaders. Help us to avoid, in the heat of debate, the dangers of personal insult, disrespecting others and the evils of faction. We pray that we might, in all our dealings, seek cooperation, aim for the common good, and put aside selfish ambition and pride. We pray for our church. Our church, which is just a small part of that great worldwide fellowship of your people, spanning all nations and ages. We thank you for the church here at Bloomsbury for its life over these 174 years that we remember today. We thank you for the gospel witness of the church, the testimony of lives turned around, the testimony that Jesus lives and loves. We thank you for the work of the church, working for justice and inclusion in our city. We pray that we might be true to the call to live faithfully, witnessing to Jesus Christ, holding him forth as our example and saviour. 
And as we pray, we recognise our own responsibility. Help each one of us to play our part in building the kingdom of God in this city. Show to each one of us the thing that we can do, the place where we should serve, how we can help one another, how we can help to build the church. May we all love and encourage one another, seeking to build one another up in unity and common purpose. Stir us up to good works, we pray. And so this morning, we pause for a moment. We think of those we know and love who are in need of prayer. And we bring our own private requests to God. Hear us, Lord God. Comfort us with your spirit. Help us to know and feel your love. Forgive us our many sins. And help each one of us to live as children of a living God. For your glory and praise we pray this morning. Amen. May Jesus Christ, your friend and redeemer, give you the power to serve. May the Holy Spirit, your sustainer, give you the power to love. May God, your creator, give you the power to forgive and to know forgiveness. May the almighty God, creator, redeemer and sustainer, be with us all evermore. Amen.